and when stuff hits us in the face, we, we kind of have a choice, right? We have a choice of drifting away and hoping we get enough distance between us and the problem or we can face it. We can own our pieces that we need to own to make adjustments to become better human beings. We can apologize. No, we need to apologize. We can take to God what we need to take to God and, and deal with grace because when we walk around with guilt of doing something wrong and it manifests itself in the shame that we are something wrong, we have a real problem. You're listening to The Man Maker Show. Welcome to Season 1 with your host, Brad Walgamon. This podcast is all about becoming a better man for ourselves and the people around us. So if you enjoy this episode, whether you're on your way to work or mowing the lawn, make sure to share this with somebody, like, and subscribe. Well, I hope you're ready, because here we go. Hello. My name is Brad Wilgamont. Welcome to the Man Maker Show. Welcome to our first broadcast. Coming to you from our home down in Mexico. And I've uh, just been inspired to, to launch this. I've been thinking about this for a long time. I've talked to a lot of people about it. But for some reason, I never pulled the trigger until recently. I just feel like I can't hold back any longer. And what I'm going to talk to you about is the condition of manhood in America. And I'm going to try to bring it to you in a way that is palatable, it's not offensive, not arrogant, not egotistical, not self-absorbed. <clears throat> Although some of it's probably going to have some of that in it because I'm a human being. So I would just ask you to give me some grace and the opportunity to be myself. I'm, I'm just a guy that grew up in a small town in, Seattle, in the suburbs of Seattle and made my way through business and developed a, a moderate amount of success and been able to raise children and have some experiences in life. And what I've determined is that we have a problem in our country and, and that problem really is in a lot of confusion of what it means to be a man. I think we could all agree that the greatest tragedies in probably the history of the world, but certainly in modern history, have predominantly been made by men. And as a result, men get blamed and we tag this toxic masculinity, I mean, Let's be honest, if you look at most of the horrific crimes, it's by men. If you look at most of the terrorism, it's by men. If you look at most wars, it's about men. If you look at financial stuff, it's men that own companies. If you look at violence in the household, it's predominantly men. I'm not here to blast men by a stretch of imagination, but I'm here to talk about it a little bit because I think we just need a little help. And I'm just one voice of many voices. I don't claim to know it all or be it all. I would just ask to be patient with my message, try, try to be brief on a weekly basis to give you my thoughts on how we can be better and stronger. I think at the same time as we look at history and see the challenges in life, I think we could also agree that the greatest achievements have predominantly been done by men, right? I mean, I don't want to talk about science and Einstein and Edison, or if you're talking about Christ, or if we're talking about great innovators and explorers and people that have gone to the moon or people that have led corporations, people that have led recovery from the autonomous or anonymous bill who developed AA to you name it. Parkinson's is a human being, right? You're talking about people that have 
discovered by steer. That's a man. And they were, these were men that were passionate. And I think what's happened is we have forgotten that to make great change, you have to have a great sense of passion. And with passion is going to come some mistakes, right? I would guess of the moments of my life that I regret, they were all made in moments of passion. Passion comes from the word to suffer. And that when, when you're in touch with suffering, emotion can get the better of us, right? I could be more angry. I could have been more flirtatious. I may have made the choices in my life that I'm very disappointed in myself for making the great train wreck of life is the, the moral collision of what you know is right and what you do. And I don't think there's a man, probably or a woman on this planet that doesn't ultimately have to live with some of those collisions. But really the question is not will you make mistakes, the question is will you get back up? The double-edged sword is to make a mistake. The second edge of that sword is if you let that mistake think you're a mistake. It's moving from guilt to shame, right? Guilt being you've done something wrong, shame is you are something wrong. And so I think it's fair to say that we have a real challenge in our country, and it's really under attack. And this movement of toxic masculinity, it, you know, it has an origin of two sources. And I would say one origin I would give credit to, the other one I wouldn't. The first origin is men have screwed up a lot, and we've done a lot of horrible things. And I don't think there's any denying that men, males, call them what they are, have made massive mistakes and have hurt a lot of people, children, women, other men, countries, our environment, I mean, the list goes on. It's, it's led predominantly by men. And so, you know, it's easy to hate on men, but I don't think that's fair from the perspective of categorizing half the planet, three and a half billion of us, that we're all a bunch of bums because the minority of the bums made a lot of noise. So I think toxic masculinity has its origin in men failure. But at the same time, I think the second origin of that is man haters. Uh, man haters come on both sexes, you know, male and female. I, I believe still there are only two genders. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, haters are going to hate and they're going to pick on and they're going to look for every reason to emasculate men and probably out of their pain, probably out of their own real experiences. I don't mean to underplay someone that's been raped or abused or beaten or lied to or taken advantage of or the things that have happened by apes, if you will, men that are just out of control. I don't mean to make any excuses for them anyway, so it's wrong. And what's happened to a lot of people that hate men is wrong. I think it's wrong to face hate with hate. I don't think it heals anything. I don't think it makes anybody better by being hurt and hurting others back, but hurting people hurt people. It's a common thing, but it's no excuse. It shouldn't happen. It does happen. It's just the reality of our world. So as toxic masculinity, I mean, a very common subject because it's, you know, it's in music, it's in movies, it's in conversations, it's in social media, it's on the news. It's a real deal. But I want to speak to you about healing, okay? I don't want to fight that issue. I don't want to, I'm not here to hate on women, <laughs> I, you know, I'm married and I have daughters that I love intensely. And I think they're some of the greatest women in the world. So it's not an anti-woman thing. It's really, I want to speak to men in a way that hopefully encourages you to be a better man. That encourages you to discover what is a man. I want to speak to your heart and soul about being great. I want to speak 
to those of you that believe in your depth of your soul, you've had this longing, haunting feeling like there's something more. I'm supposed to do more. I'm not supposed to be a wounded, wandering, lost human being. There was a season in my life a decade and a half ago where I went through an incredibly devastating season in my life, went through a very painful and public divorce, made some very poor choices that led to a breakdown in my life. And I found myself economically ruined. Um, I found myself with my home in foreclosure, uh, cars repossessed, unable to rent a home because my credit was shattered. And the one thing I had left was a small piece of land and I got onto that land and I learned how to survive. At the time, it was like a giant camping trip. I wouldn't recommend it for most people, but I would recommend it for a lot of people. And I say that because I learned to be a man in a way that I never knew existed. I learned how to live outdoors for a year. I learned how to build a house with my own two hands, to create shelter, to collect water, to gather food, to create heat, to find ways to have safety in the middle of the woods. Not exactly um, something I would have thought I would have had to live with considering I've had private aircraft and multiple homes and more cars than I can find the keys for. But at that particular season of my life, God took me through something that I never thought I'd go through. And there are many, many lessons that I will probably talk about as we go through this journey. But the one that came to my mind this morning as I was thinking about sharing with you all was there was a morning I woke up and I could hear some rustling in the bushes and uh, I was sleeping at this time in a canvas tent um, because the house wasn't quite built, which was you know, a, a log cabin structure that we just built out of our bare hands. And I say we, because I had several friends from weekend to weekend coming and helping me and certainly Shelly was there as much as she could be. But for the most part, it was me learning how to fall a tree, peel a tree, move a tree, stack a tree and, and build a house. It was, uh, it was like that. But one morning in this canvas tent, I heard this wrestling come to the bushes and I didn't know what it was. So I yelled out to it, you know, with my aggressive tone, like, hey, what's going on over there? And, and I hear this permission to enter, sir. I'm like, what? Excuse me? Permission to enter your camp, sir. I'm like, okay, yeah, come on in. And so this long dreadlocked man walked down the trail that I had built to get this little deck with a canvas tent on it and then permission to enter camp sir and I said permission granted I know what else to say to him and I'm like what are you doing here and he goes well I slept on your property last night evidently are you the are you the proprietor of this domain he had these funky funky words I'm like yeah I'm the owner of the land and he introduced himself as Raft and I hope I can use his name I think it's been a number of years I don't know if he's still out there I don't know if you'll ever hear this message but his name was Raft. And he called himself Raft because he had served in the military. And I don't know the whole story, but it didn't go well. And so when he left the military somewhere on the northeast part of our country, he started walking and floating from town to town, state to state, like a raft. He ended up on my property one night and we sat and talked about life. And it really struck me that a lot of people end up being like raft. They just kind of float. And as soon as they hit a point of resistance, they float a different direction until they put enough distance between themselves and that problem 
that the problem fades into an oblivion of former memories and they start a new life. It wasn't about three or four days later, I was up in the mountains on the pass doing some hiking and sure enough, there again was Raft. Looking a bit like Moses from the Bible, long hair, real long, dreaded up, walking staff, somewhat of a backpack with a sleeping bag. I might be sure a sleeping bag. It might've been a tarp and a blanket, basis clothing, and you can imagine not real hygienic. And we chatted again and you know, it really hit me what happened, right? And when stuff hits us in the face, we, we kind of have a choice, right? We have a choice of drifting away and hoping we get enough distance between us and the problem or we can face it and we can own our pieces that we need to own to make adjustments to become better human beings. We can apologize, no need to apologize. We can take to God what we need to take to God and, and deal with grace. Because when we walk around with guilt of doing something wrong and it manifests itself into shame that we are something wrong, we have a real problem. And I think there's too many men that have made mistakes that think that they are a problem. I can remember my own father and I was talking to him as kind of, in my life moving in the direction of finding God and I talked to him about it one day and he says it's too late for me I've made too many mistakes it's too late for me of course we know it's not true if we read the Bible we know it's never too late but I'll leave that for another time but I think for a lot of people they think it's just they've just gone too far they've done too much and I can tell you that's not the case that we should never give up never no matter what and uh, you know that a year and a half, two years of living in the woods, off grid, as difficult as it was, as sick as I got, as embarrassing as it was, um, as lonely as it was. I mean, the emotions were off the charts. It was a time for me to reflect, a time for me to own, a time for me to be sad and to sit in my pain. You know, and as a man, we got to do that. As much as that might be embarrassing or challenging, sometimes that's just the way it goes. But what I realized in that season was I was meant for more, right? That, that I may have made a mistake, but I'm not a mistake and I'm not going to live in shame. I can't apologize enough to heal the pain of those that I'd hurt. I can apologize, but I can't, I can't do enough that they change their feelings. That That's going to be up to them. I need to own what I own. I need to become better as a result of it, not bitter. And make the, make the adjustments. And that, that's part of being a man. So I'm, I'm here on this channel to share with you some of these stories, to walk through some of this pain, to walk through some of the breakthrough, the things that, that I had to go through in order to get back up. We all fall down. We all need to be stronger. We all make mistakes. We, we all need someone in our life, right? We're not meant to be alone, right? There's a reason that God said it wasn't good for man to be alone and he created Eve in the Bible. There's a reason why even the Lone Ranger, for God's sake, had Tonto and Batman had Robin. I mean, everything seems to be, we need somebody, you know? A friend of mine has a statue in front of his house and it's a, it's a guy chiseling stone off himself. And this guy's all strapping muscular and he, he's got this anvil in his hand like Thor's hammer and a chisel and he's like chiseling the rock. And the title of the statue is Self-Made Man. And I just, I don't, I don't know if that really exists. 
I would I know him quite well, and he tells me there were men in his life that spoke in his life, and, and now I get to be one of those men to speak into his life. I don't, I don't know if there's a self-made man, but there, there comes a time in our life that we gotta think that way for a minute. Like, if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen because I decide to make it happen. That if it's going to be, it's up to me. And there comes a time when there's just, you have to learn the value of hard work, the value of getting dirty, the value of getting up tired and going to bed tired, the value of being hungry because you can't buy food, thirsty. I see so many people so dedicated to their water bottle, like they can't go anywhere without their binky. And they, and they literally will stop their car to get more water. They won't travel without their backpack and water. And it's like, and I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't mean to insult you if you're one of those people. And I appreciate the parents that want the kids to be hydrated. I'm not, don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying that we've become so reliant that I can't be tough without these small things. And the reality is you can go for days without water. You can go for days without food. I don't recommend it, but you can if you have to. And it's learning how to, to find value in the grind, right? If anybody's ever spending time in gym, you don't stop pushing the weight when it gets heavy. That's when you get someone to come in and spot you for those final three or four or five presses. I, I want life to be something where it's not supposed to be easy. I mean, there's this common belief system today that if things aren't easy, it's the universe's way of saying, I'm supposed to go a different direction. But really what most of this boils down to is the fact that most of us have been fatherless. Right? One in four children today, something between 18 and 20 million young males, young children are fatherless. And a lot of those have those being boys that aren't being raised by a father. And the statistics are overwhelming. You know, 90% of those are incarcerated. Some are in that ballpark. I'll give you the exact stats later on a printout. Are there in prison that never had a father that was present? The, the, the teenage suicide, the teenage pregnancy, the lower grades, it's obvious. The statistics are overwhelming. 71% of the dropouts in the country were raised fatherless. And you know what's staggering to me? You know what country has the highest rate of fatherlessness, America. The last bastion of hope, of free enterprise, of capitalism, of, of freedom, to where you can be anything, anything. I was a janitor making $6 an hour when I started my first company. No one gave me anything. I asked my dad for a hundred bucks when I was like 20 years old to help me get through a little pinch. Well, how far would a hundred bucks get you for crying out loud? And he said, no. My dad was a millionaire, but he wasn't going to baby me and give me money so that I could get my way through this hard time because I probably would have just went out and bought a couple more cocktails with it. It's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be just fun. There is, there is supposed to be easy times, and yes, there's going to be fun, but it's not designed to be that way. It's going to take some work. You're going to have to grind. That's just the simple reality. But if we never were taught this, it's a, it, it, it's, it's, it's a mystery. The number of kids that play videos all day, the number of kids that never go out and get 20, literally 20 minutes of direct sunlight on their face. It, the number is minuscule because it's, I, I get it. It's fun to play video games. It's awesome. It's cool. Look at, look at all the stimulus. 
as compared to walking outside. It might seem boring compared to AR or VR. But we're losing our manhood because we're not willing to recognize that there's going to be a grind. I saw, I heard, read a story the other day, and it really hit me. But it was about a, a nun that was visiting. Her, her mission was to visit prisons. And so he went to the uh, director of the prison. I can't remember what their name would be, but the chief, if you will. And said, I'd like to offer free Mother's Day cards to any of your men in here that want to send their mother a card. And he dropped off like 50 of them. She dropped off like 50 of them. He got, a, he got a call like two days later saying, can I get a couple hundred more? We have more than 50 men here that want to do this. Can they get a couple hundred more? A couple hundred more. Before it was just, it was overwhelming the response. It was hundreds of men that wanted to write a Mother's Day card. So Father's Day, that follows Mother's Day, came around a month or two later. And the mother thought, mother thought the, the nun thought, well, gosh, this was a great success. I'm opening up communication. Let's, let's do the same for Father's Day. And so she dropped off, planned ahead, got several hundred Father's Day cards, brought them to the headmaster of the prison and said, I'd like you to you know, let the prisoners know that if they want to write a letter to their father, that they can't. Not one person asked for a Father's Day card to send their father. This is a true story. There's a connection between moms because the moms have always been there and their fathers probably bailed. The mothers put up with their nonsense when they were a juvenile and they were going through struggle and they loved them for who they were. And the father might've been abusive physically, emotionally, spiritually, or just absent. And there was very little love amongst these prisoners for their fathers. And I think in a lot of ways that really, it really hits the nail on the head that our, that our issue is that there are now generations of men that have been raised fathers. My father was a really great man, but he was part of what they called the silent generation. And the silent generation was a group of men that went through the, the world wars. And my father was an officer um, after World War II but Korea era and um, didn't get deployed um, as a result of his vision, but he was an officer and went to college and, and uh, was a lieutenant. I can't remember how far he got, but it was ingrained into these men that they just didn't talk. And a lot of them experienced things in Korea. And then you come into Vietnam and they experienced things like in, in World War II, maybe Korea for that matter, I'm not a military expert, but there was a pride in going to war for our country as these men were fighting totalitarianism and Nazism and, the, and the, the eradication of a religious group, the Jewish people that Hitler had a, a dream of doing. There was this saving the world. And then Korea, we thought we were doing the same, but it was against a different kind of a, of a situation with China. And then we moved into Vietnam and it got ugly and men came home from that war devastated to a point where still today, I've read statistics that every day, still to this day, one Vietnam veteran takes their own life and has, and that's been going on for 20 years, maybe 30 years, because they just can't deal with it. Or maybe they have medical issues and the VA is so broken, they're not getting the proper help, but predominantly it's mental. And so men have really, really 
really been hammered. And war is an awful thing. And here we are again, you know, on the brink of World War III. Hopefully not. I think not. But, you know, there's a lot of issues and a lot of infighting about whether we should or shouldn't be. And I'm not going to necessarily address those issues. But I am going to address the issue of the impact it's had on men. My father never talked to me. You know, we never had the talk about sex. He caught me one day with a porno mag. It was before internet. And he called me every dirty name on the planet and made me feel like I was just an absolute horrible human being because I was willing to look at naked pictures as a teenager, probably 12, 13, 14, 15. I don't really remember, but I remember those words haunted me and, and for decades until I got some help and literally sat with some counselors and recounted that and realized that, you know, hey, you know, you're just a teenager in discovery and you know you're not a bad person but my dad ingrained his method of getting me to not make mistakes was to make me feel so shameful it was the same with drugs right he thought i was always on drugs and i've never done a drug in my life quite frankly um, but he you know he hammered me so hard that he thought it was that was his technique um there wasn't a lot of love there wasn't kindness and i think a lot of people grew up with either an absent father that was gone um, due to death or due to just taken off or divorce, or they had a father that was not present. And as a result, they went through struggles. Or maybe he had a father that was present, but had never been fathered himself and really knew how to, really didn't know how to be a man. And so manhood and toughness and discipline and competitiveness and a fire and a fight to, to go to war for your family, to defend with every ounce of your being for your family to be tough and gritty and, and, and not concerned about your own well-being in terms of you know, the narcissistic tendencies of what do you think of me and how's my hair and how's my clothing and how's my image. You know, we, we, this has all been jacked up for most of us to a point where we never really learned what it meant to be a sacrificial servant warrior king for our family. We never really underst have understood. We've never been trained or coached. I had the fortunate opportunity to sit on the floor of Coliseums with 30,000 people listening to a man that I love and respect this day. He passed away in his name, Bill Bread, talking about father power, right? What it means to be cast in concrete and how to be strong yet tender. The, the, the velvet and, and, and the, the warrior, the, 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 the love and kindness and patience to, to raise a child, to love your wife, to see your parents eventually fade into the sunset of life and to be compassionate, but be strong and vibrant and physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually tough enough to build something in the face of adversity. How do you, how do you create this toughness, but still this tenderness? How do you create this tenderness, but still have this toughness? It's, it's, it's a challenge. And, and unfortunately, you know, we're, we've been emasculated to a point where it's almost like it's bad if you're a tough man. If you're a cowboy, if you're a grizzled guy, it's like made fun of. And that's sad. And I, and I want to speak to that because I think we all need to learn the importance of healthy masculinity. And I'm going to talk to you about it. I'll share with you over the next few years. We'll see how long we go with this. I'm passionate about it. We're going to talk about everything. We're going to talk about parenting, strong fatherhood parenting. We're talking about Strong, manly marriages, and yet what it means to be tender, loving, caring, and kind. What it means to be a son. What it means to be a grandson. What it means to be an uncle. 
what it means to be a coach. We're gonna talk about things like changing the tire, changing the oil, using an ax, sharpening a chainsaw, framing a wall, right? Fixing your roof. We're gonna have breakout camps where people will be invited in to learn a skill. Eventually we'll have a website where people will be able to kind of go through adult-like Cub Scouts where you're gonna check a box for learning how to change a tire. How many people don't know how to change a tire? AAA takes care of that, right? <laughs> how to change your oil. How to get in there and bust that nut off there and drain the oil pan and change your oil filter. Oh no, I just paid someone 90 bucks. How do we do those things? How do we, how do we, how do we do the tough stuff? And that doesn't make you a man, but it's part of being a man is learning how to do the tough stuff when uh, you could pay someone to do it, but there's just something that creates value for me as a man when I split my own firewood. I don't want to do a lot anymore, but I've spit 50 cords of wood, <laughs> especially the two years I live on my own. I've felled the tree, split it enough time to have it season out. So it's dry enough to burn later. You do what it means to be a man. And I'm gonna try to keep you short, even though this is already a bit long. So I appreciate your patience. All I can tell you is that I'm gonna try to communicate with you in a way that is passionate, but I'm, and I'm really gonna try not to piss you off, but I probably am. And to my Australian friends, I know you're not supposed to say pissed off because it means something different, like being drunk or something, but I'm gonna try not to make you mad. But part of that's gonna fall on you. Part of that's gonna require for you not to be quite so fragile and quite so sensitive, because I'm not gonna be politically correct. I'll do my best to be kind, but not at the sake of, of washing out the message, because I'm afraid of you being offended. Offense is a choice. Nobody can offend you. You choose to be offended. Oh, how can you say that? Well, if you're in the happiest of happiest of happiest, I mean, you just won the lottery and everything's great, and someone drives by you and flips your bird and cuts you off in traffic, what would you say? You're like, who cares? Well, I got everything I want. But if you're having a bad day, and this is not going good, and some guy cuts you off and flips your bird, what do you do? Oh, potential road rage. Our response is a choice. And I'm gonna hopefully train you to respond as compared to reacting. Because you can react without thinking, but you can't respond without training. And so my hopes in sharing with you some of these stories and these experiences in my life that they can get back to being a, a gentle warrior, a compassionate capitalist, to learn to be tough and tender, because you can be both. You don't need to be toxic, but you need to be strong. You don't need to be aggressive, but you need to be assertive. You follow me that? You don't need to be a, a passive aggressive trickster, but you need to be able to communicate your point at the same time letting people share their own thoughts so you're not so demanding that there isn't room for other people's belief systems. Because one of our great problems in today's world that we'll talk about later is we can't have an, an argument because if you don't agree with me, we have problems. And, We've lost the ability to respectfully agree to disagree. And I hope that you'll give me the grace to do that. If you get mad, I'm gonna say it's on you. If you get mad because I do something that really offends you, then write me in here and I'll, I'll apologize when I need to. Um, my goal is not to hurt anybody's feelings or offend anybody, but my, but my goal is also to be strong, to speak what I need to speak, to reach out to the abused men, to reach out to the men that have forgotten the responsibility of what it means to be a man 
to stand up and fight for your family, fight for your dreams, to provide for those that are counting on you and to wear that with great honor. Because it's not easy to be a man. It's not supposed to be easy. That's why we're a man. I hope that intrigues you enough to listen again next week. I won't always be 30 minutes. I'll try to be 15 to 20 or so. But thanks for listening. Thanks for giving me a chance to share my thoughts with you. And I hope that we have a great future together talking about how we can all be better and stronger and bolder and more compassionate and make an impact on this broken, hurting world. All right. God bless y'all.